It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, what's happening, everyone? It is time for the San Jose Sharks to see if they can keep their winning ways rolling as they go out onto the road and take on Arizona tonight, the Desert Dogs. 6 o'clock go time, 5.30 pregame right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And then they're back at it on Sunday at 5, taking on the abs. But I've got our good friend, the hockey guy, joining us today to go over all things in the NHL and the San Jose Sharks. What's going on, man? How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Um, for a Thursday, last night wasn't too bad. There was just the eight games, six tonight. So it's actually, it's pretty balanced schedule in December, comparatively. You know, looking at last night's game, there was something that I was uh, paying attention to, and that was um, the Edmonton game, and they were playing Tampa, and I was just watching them and how much they've improved And I was trying to juxtapose that with what we had seen from the Sharks because Edmonton, obviously, much higher ceiling. They made a change at head coach and they've, you know, been playing much more in line with what our expectations were. The Hmm. Sharks, I think some people were probably prematurely calling for a change at the head coach, but they didn't. And they're maybe playing more in line with what their overall record probably should have been all along. You know, if we just look at their overall record. But I always just, like... The change in head coach. Like I, I feel like Edmonton would be here anyway, right? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. I, I do wonder if maybe maybe there was something else going on we don't know about publicly. Maybe there were players who weren't happy under Woodcroft. Uh the Oilers are definitely playing a lot better. One big difference has been the improved play of Skinner. Uh mm-hmm. with that game against Tampa last night, that was really the difference maker was Vasilevsky was absolutely out of his mind uh for a goal you allowed four goals he played really really well yeah Edmonton just has so much talent there's just all there's too much talent for them to keep losing that's I mean that's the thing is like wouldn't like wouldn't that have happened anyway though like you know they they didn't get they finally cooled off but they were still you know they've been playing so red hot they've been playing such better hockey like what? Why do we say that the head coach is the specific issue of why Skinner is playing better, or why their power play has been better? You know. Well, I, I again, I, I, I feel like maybe there was something going on. Uh, maybe Ken Holland d- decided, or it's just you get that coach's bump after you've made a change. Uh, last night, the Blues looked a lot better, mm-hmm. and again, it's right after. And I, I wouldn't say Baruby was the problem in St. Louis either. Right. Um, th- those, those coaching bumps are pretty standard. They don't necessarily last. A good example would be just in Vancouver, uh, under Boudreaux, everything was great yeah. the first year. And then, you know, the second year it, it did not work out. So, uh, I don't know how sustainable it is co- with, with that coach's bump. You never know how long it's going to last, but for Edmonton, it's, it's still going. Yeah. And Vasilevsky last night was amazing. That second period when Edmonton made their comeback from down to nothing and they got a shorty and two power play goals. Vasilevsky in that second period made 
at least five or six saves that should have yeah. on any other goalie in any other game would have gone in uh, a yeah. pretty remarkable, remarkable performance. Like you alluded to, um, I'll just ask you otherwise around the NHL is we're maybe watching in Edmonton, you know, kind of progress to what we expected them to be as opposed to their, you know, what they were initially and some of the other trends around the league. Is there anything that's really surprising you or shocking you at this point? I was, I, I'm surprised by how much Carolina has struggled when they go West. Um, their record's really good outside of those West coast swings. And so there's all this talk about what's wrong with Carolina. And I keep thinking they'll be fine. Um, they're home tonight. I, I, it's a rough schedule. Like it's, it's been there really what Carolina's schedule has been is what I used to see with Vancouver, where they would have to go East. It's a three hour time difference and then play three games in four nights or four games in six nights, and then come back home. And those road trips can be killer. Uh, in terms of other surprises, I've honestly been surprised at how strong Nashville has been after that slow start. Uh, they legitimately look like they could end up being one of the wild cards in the West. And I've been very pleasantly surprised by the Jets. The Jets look really good outside of the game against San Jose. It's it's so weird, but they've they've been really, really good. Vancouver had an impressive win over Florida. Are you becoming a believer or is this team for real? I think so. I think, I think the, the Canucks, I, I don't know once, once we get to playoffs, it's anybody's guess as to what this team's going to be able to do. This is completely different than the team they had in 2020, but they've bought into talk at systems. The fact that the Demko has three shutouts already tells you that defensively, this team is much better um i i lost count of how many times the canucks would lose a shutout in the third period because they get lazy or they do something stupid or and and this team doesn't have that they don't get into really even last night like yeah florida outshot them badly in the third period but i didn't feel like vancouver played badly they were just kind of sitting on the lead a bit uh but yeah I, I i do think this team is 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 legitimate they're they've been good i i don't know if they're I, like i keep hearing about oh they're contenders one of the best teams in the league i i don't know if i go that far yet but they look pretty good yeah it's it's been fun to watch and it just you know change in the nhl and micro trends turn into long-term trends and things of this yeah. nature it's it, it's fun to watch because I, I feel like each year you know we're presented with a new reality and for the sharks as i segue to this topic when we spoke, they were in a bad way. Uh, you know, I think we spoke yeah. right after their two 10-goal, uh, uh, not losses, but the games where they gave up 10 goals, 10-1 to Vancouver, 10-2 to the Pens. Yeah. Since then, they've actually been pretty decent. And even more recently, they've been even better. So, I mean, this is what I ask. is like, was the schedule that hard to begin with and maybe pounded them down a little bit? And... We saw players weren't really performing to their level of expectations. And now you're watching Mikhail Grandlin look like the 60-point scorer that he was a few years ago in his career. We're watching Anthony Duclair look like him. We're watching Mike Hoffman look like himself. Tomas Hurdle looks like himself. Like, how do we determine the reality of what the Sharks are right now? Because after their win the other night, people were saying, hey, they're only, you know, I believe it was at that point, seven points out of a playoff spot. And I was like, look, be cool. Yeah, but yeah. it is it's noteworthy what they've been able to do. The the sharks are outworking everybody. Uh they're 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 outworking teams and they they don't get down on themselves now when they're when they're behind. Uh like they were like they were doing in both of those games where they allowed 10 goals yeah. and just the body language was terrible. I I think that 
Um, the, it, the and they're small additions, but it, adding Al, uh, um, um, Addison really, really smart move on the blue line. He gave them that offensive blue liner they needed. Minnesota wasn't happy with his work because he didn't do the work defensively, but that's okay in Anaheim or in, in San Jose because they needed the offensive defenseman. And Justin Bailey, really smart addition by Greer as well. He is playing probably the best hockey I've ever seen him play in the NHL. So I, I think. Part of it, too, is that Greer's plan of putting this roster together, uh, it, it's eventually worked out. I, I still don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but they're outworking other teams and they're making it. So if you want to beat San Jose, you you have to actually play a full 60 minutes. You can't mail it in. And so we've seen a couple of times recently where you can see a team sitting back in the third period, figuring they're just going to cruise to a victory over San Jose and it doesn't happen. So I, I think they're they're going to be getting quite the reputation around the NHL for that hard work. Tonight they're in Arizona. Coyotes have had some losses lately. They've been struggling. I wouldn't be all that surprised if San Jose beats them tonight. Is hard work sustainable? Because that does when you when you're not reliant on talent. I mean, I have seen the Sharks teams of you know yesteryear where they were not playing their best hockey, but they had so much talent it really didn't matter. That to me is relatively sustainable it'll catch up with you eventually but that's mm -hmm. not what this is this is a team that is still at a talent deficit and hard work only i mean hockey rewards hard work i acknowledge that but it takes a toll right yeah physically it does and then the the one thing i wonder with san jose too is if if we do see like one or two of the high profile forwards end up getting hurt at some point, which happens during an 82-game season. I don't know if the depth is there in the organization to absorb losses like that. But again, this is a team that was expected to be not great this year in a rebuild. I know before the season started, I did a video on the Sharks' schedule. And I said, this schedule to start the year is brutal. Whoever did the NHL schedule clearly hates the Sharks. You have the absolute, some of the best teams in the NHL for that first 12 games. And the results were, I, I wouldn't say they were predictable, but I, I, I really did think that, that it was a really horrible schedule for San Jose to start out. Is there a concern as this is a rebuild? We all, you know, it's been, other terms have been used, but we know yep. what it is. Yep. Is there a concern that if the Sharks end up middle of the pack this year, that this will be a detriment or can you say, like, no, Greer's been able to acquire some draft picks. He's taken some high picks. He's putting them in a better cap situation. Like, is there a problem with being ahead of schedule if they're not at the bottom or in one of those final three spots when the year comes to an end? Because against Winnipeg, out of nowhere, Winnipeg is not a great draw. No, no, no offense to them. But no. the tank had a pretty good draw the other night, and I feel like that was because people watched that road trip in which they had a number of wild comebacks and went three, two, and one, and suddenly people wanted to see him again. Yep, yep, um, yeah. I I think with with the Sharks, I I don't think. I mean, we we talk a lot about standings and everything, but then we know that the draft lottery, there's no guarantees there either. Um, Celebrini's, you know, got projections to be a really really good player. I I don't know if he's going to end up being a player that we we look back on and say, man, whichever team drafted first, they were like, it's, he's going to be a really good player, mm -hmm. but I think for San Jose and for the team, if they, if they get their share of wins and they have to end up drafting seventh or eighth, that's where if Mike Greer can show he can get steals in the second, third, fourth round, it'll be fine. 
There are other teams that maybe they don't get those hits in the first round, but they get the hits later. And if San Jose can do that, I, I think they'll be okay. Uh, they're already showing their pro scouting is good with the additions of Addison and, and Bailey. So if their amateur scouting does the same work this year, I think they'll be okay no matter where they're drafting. Yeah, it is interesting to watch. I mean, if if you were in control, would you want these results or would you say, I guess the better way to say it is like, how do you, when you get to the deadline and you're maybe within the realm, but you say, hey, this isn't a, a contender because we're being honest here. Right. Do, do the fans get hurt if you make those trades and they say, hey, why didn't you give them a chance to at least make the playoffs? Because I, there are going to be those camps that let their feelings be known. I already know right now people are saying, what are they doing? They need to be have the most balls right. in the hopper when they get there. Yeah. But there's other yeah. people saying like, hey, this is fun. Like I'm enjoying Sharks hockey. I could see like last year at the deadline, we saw Detroit and Washington within shooting distance of the playoffs. And they decided both cases they were going to sell and they sold off UFAs. They picked up prospects, draft picks without a full sell. And I could see San Jose being in a similar situation where anybody's pending UFA. Maybe if you, if they're with, if they're say six or six points or further back of a playoff spot, when the deadline rolls around, I could see Greer as, as long as he, you know, does the whole press conference and says, okay, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. And this is the long-term future. This is the vision I got. I think fans understand. I think, um, I think fans are more understanding of that right now than they maybe were in the past. They understand that you've, you've got to go through what you got to go through. You don't want to lose these assets for nothing. So I wouldn't be surprised if San Jose ends up being a team that sells at the deadline, even if they keep it up. And even if they're with within, I'd say seven points or eight points, I could still see uh, Greer selling at the deadline. But again, he's he's got to be transparent and say, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. Now you brought up Detroit there. They've cooled a little bit as of late, but they've still been considerably better this year. And I'm not going to be surprised if they end up in the postseason for the first time. And it's been seven seasons, I believe, after their, you know, 25 years of postseason excellence. Mm -hmm. But Anaheim, you know, they've taken a big step back after they had a, a pretty good start. And I think last year people expected them to take, you know, more of a step and it didn't really happen. And then this year it started out looking like they were, and now they find themselves looking up at the Sharks. What's your read on that situation? The, you know, it's weird. They they had, I think it was a 9-6 and six record. Now they're 10-18. and 18. And just, it was like overnight, they went from playing really good, smart hockey to not. And I, I think part of it may have been too early in the season. They were relying on those third-period comebacks, which is fine, and it's fun to have those comebacks, but that's not really sustainable. Teams right. get better at protecting leads. Defenses get better. And I, I think with Anaheim, you have some inexperience in their top six and in their top four defense. And man, once that ball started rolling the other way, like the other night against the Islanders, they should have won that game, but they, they, they found a way to lose it and they keep finding a way to fumble it. And not just that, but they, they keep fumbling them within that 60 minutes. So they're not even getting points in overtime or shootouts. They're just, they're finding a way to lose in 60 minutes. I think it's a confidence thing with them as much as anything else. Yeah. And I just wonder Right now, the Sharks are having their best stretch in quite some time, not just this season, but I mean, even going back to last year, they did not have mm -hmm. consistent wins like this. They only mm -hmm. won, I believe, eight games at home last year, and they've already gotten close to that mark. I think they've got six or seven now at this point at home. You know, what What happens when that ball starts to roll the other way? You know, that's, that's the other question I have, because 
listen, I would love it if the Sharks kept up the winning pace that they're on. And mm-hmm. I think somebody did the math. They would have to have like a 650 winning percentage the rest of the way to get somewhere into the position of, you know, 90-ish points to get into the postseason conversation. But, you know, what? after this fight to get themselves back into it, at least to a level of respectability, what happens when that ball does start to roll the underway? Not that, not that I'm saying I expect it or that it will happen, but there certainly is a good chance because what we're looking at right now, although it's fun, it is aberrant compared to the wider scope of what we've seen from this team. And I'm not saying that's their fault. That's just where they are right now as a franchise. Well, I don't I don't think we'll start seeing them losing like 10 to 1, 10 to 2 again. There have been no, some no. rough losses, even with the the their resurgence. There have been some setbacks. Um, but it seems like David Quinn's good at now at getting them reset where they'll have a really rough night against the Las Vegas or who against whoever, you know, and then the next game they're ready and they're good and they're right back to that work ethic. And even in like a loss against Vegas, the work ethic never went away. It's not like they their their body language changed and they just they gave up. <clears throat> and I think as long as you have that, and I, I think part of what was probably said to them in the locker room after those back to back games where they allowed 10 was if the effort's not there they're going to be gone. And I, I think that, um, that, that makes a lot of sense because players don't tank. I know GMs will put a roster out there. They know gives them a good chance to draft first overall the following year, but the players don't tank. So as, as long as the sharks players are still bought into the, 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 whatever plans the coaches have, whatever uh, strategies they're employing, they shouldn't go through like a 10 or 20 game, stretch where they're really bad again they may have some rough starts but they they should be able to pull themselves out of it with the the just the work they've been putting in recently the last one i have for you is the question of goalies because lately capo kakinen as well as mackenzie blackwood have been pretty good and numbers aside if you're in my position and you're watching you know every minute of every game they're not the issue the the numbers aren't really in line with their performance there's been some defensive breakdowns around them especially early on where it was you know, it was rough. He felt bad for the goalie. So where are you of the, hey, they're good right now, but does this line up with what the Sharks' timeline is? Because goalies, unless it is a Vasilevsky, a Shesterkin, somebody like that, there is very much a feast or famine nature among goalies in the NHL. We see it all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the one that we joke about often is what happens when Edmonton comes and says, we want Mackenzie Blackwood. Like that's the, that's the one that people riff about a lot. Right. What do the sharks do then? Well, I, I mean, that's the, the move that would make some sense would be if they made Edmonton pay a ransom so that they would acquire the Jack Campbell contract and then trade them a goaltender. Um, the Campbell contract's a bit of a bitter pill, but like, I mean, Philly did it with Cal Peterson. They took that contract off the Kings' hands. And if if teams are throwing in a top-notch prospect or a first rounder with it, that can be, you know, worth it. The one, the one thing I think for for Mike Greer to decide is who's going to be the number one going forward. Does he have more faith in Kakinen or in Blackwood? I think Blackwood's the better of the two. And I think that if Kakinen's value goes up between now and the deadline, if there's a market, I think moving Kakinen would be a good move and then commit to Blackwood and, you know, find that backup, whether it's from somewhere else, whether it's from within for the rest of the season mm-hmm. and then work on finding him a tandem mate for next year. But I would think one or the other probably goes 
And I think they'll get a good return because there's a lot of teams struggling with goaltending right now. Shannon, I appreciate your time as always. I know you're busy, so I will let you go, but I promise I'll be bugging you again soon and uh, we'll talk then, all right? Thank you. Again, that was the hockey guy of YouTube fame. If you're not watching his content, I highly recommend you do so. We have got the Sharks and the Desert Dogs, 5.30 pre, 6 o'clock go time, right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app, presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.